The price of doing the same old thing is far higher than the price of change. President Bill Clinton. You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B., coming at you live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where it is getting chilly, folks. The temperature is a dipping. We are in the midst of fall. Some of you have seen snow. I hope I never see snow here in Florida. I have seen snow once before. That was back in the year 1976. When we moved back from Germany, we were in East Central Florida, just south of Patrick Air Force Base, and it snowed for a day, but it did not stick. So I am down here in Fort Lauderdale. Well, I hope it never snows. And just to let people know how chilly it is right now, 71 degrees (laughs) in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I am joined today, folks, by Michael Crean, CEO of Solutions Granted. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are yourself? Good, good. I see it must be chilly. chilly 71, right? I was going to say it must be chilly there because you actually have long sleeves on. It was, uh, I think when I got up this morning at about 5.30, it was 30 degrees this morning. <laughs> uh, just the right to put on a sweatshirt, but we haven't gone to the coat yet, so we're okay. Okay, 30 would be coat weather here. That thin blood gets you. It, it does. That and the freezing iguanas falling out of trees would uh, <laughs> get us as well. Uh, so, Michael, thank you for coming on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. If you are watching live, we stream every Wednesday. Well, not every Wednesday, but most Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We stream to the YouTube and the Facebook. Folks, if you are watching here and you don't just go to the actual feed that is in your podcatcher, be sure to do that because we are starting to have regular audio podcasts that do not show up here on the live stream. So we're going to be having some guests come on and we'll be doing some short shows where we do some spotlights. And in 2022, we will start to have some special tip shows and it will be focused on not just networking, but also business tips. Because this is your podcast for business IT support, where we help you run your business better, smarter and faster. So it's not always going to be... Didn't need to hear that music. I was getting all excited there. <laughs> Business tips. Party on. It's like, wait, I didn't even say anything rude. Are you about to buzz me already? <laughs> um, so we're going to be having lots of tips coming on. And some of those tips are actually going to be uh, basically because of our sponsor. Potnuts Pro is presented by NetAlly. NetAlly is your number one ally for network professionals. So your Clients depend on you, and you should depend on NetAlly, the provider of the best handheld networking tools that will go out and help you discover and troubleshoot 
those pesky network issues. Our live stream sponsor, Computers Done Right, computersdoneright.com. They are a managed service provider here in the state of Florida where they are doing MSP right and head on over there and support our sponsors. And I'm going to actually do something I normally don't do. I'm going to pimp myself. So let me see how I can do this real quick. This I did not plan on doing this, but I got a nice little surprise when I went to go do something on the NetAlly page. And I'm going to do this and go down here and scroll. And this is horrible. So if you are uh, listening to the audio podcast, I apologize. But this, I think, is going to be fantastic. So I'm going to take this here and I'm going to share this and I'm going to share that. And this is actually horrible, but here we go. All right, folks. So if you are going to look at the Net Ally page, uh, the presenting sponsor of PodNuts Pro, there is a page that shows their technology partners. And I'm going to scroll down here. You see the page shows network protocol specialists. Our good friend Mike Panaki is is a big person on that page. He does a ton of the training for not only NetAlly, but also Fluke. Path Solutions and Profit Taps are also big vendors in the space. But looky here, folks. My company, MB Systems, is now listed as a technology partner with NetAlly. And if you scroll down a little bit further, there is your link to listen to PodNuts Pro. And uh, I am... I am very happy to be featured on the Net Ally page. So that is it. Uh, so there is the screenshots in their MB systems at the bottom of the screen there. Listen to PodNuts Pro. So I'm very excited to be listed as a technology partner on Net Ally, our presenting sponsor. So didn't do a good, very job of pimping myself visually there. <laughs> It got there. It, it got, got there. there. All right. So, Mike, uh, we are going to be talking a lot about firewalls, specifically best practices, auditing, compliance. And part of the reason we're going to do that is not just because you work a lot with them, but I have a lot of questions. And this all stems from a recent client that I got that hired us. For only two things. They needed a backup. And they needed a firewall to pass their PCI compliance. And the existing IT person that they had either could not or would not support them. I don't remember exactly and I don't always like to get into the details. But for lack of a better phrase, they weren't doing it. So we got referred to them. And, of course, it took us a couple of meetings because they didn't understand the need for a very expensive firewall. They just wanted something to pass this PCI test. And so we actually ended up getting something for them that was not our regular stack, but it did um, get us in the door. We're doing both their firewall and their backup stuff now. And, of course, the reason we do it is because we hope to be doing more with them later. But um, the landscape is changing that uh, companies are forcing our clients to do more security stuff. You mean they're forcing them to do the right thing? (laughs) 
sometimes you have to be told to do the right thing, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned coming back from Germany and finding snow. So you've got that military, I guess one of your parents, it's uh, one of those things they call being voluntold. Mm-hmm. Yep. And speaking of military, so my dad was in the Air Force. That's that's how that goes. And my family thought I would be following in his footsteps, but I said no. So, of course, I thought I'd be playing football for the National Football League or something much more prestigious. But no, I'm just here doing a podcast with you, talking tech. Eh, could be worse things in life. I mean, my 10-year-old son thinks he's going to be a YouTuber when he grows up, but I'm sure, sure that won't happen either. Oh, is, is he going to be YouTubing with the TikTok or is he just going to YouTube where he watches other people play games and creates a channel based around that? It's hard to tell. He's 10. He talks <laughs> a lot and I try to only pick up like on every fifth word because that's probably what matters. And so I don't really know for sure. All right. <laughs> we may we may circle back to that conversation because I've got a nephew who's 18 and we're having those conversations as well. He actually just purchased, and he actually is going to get it early as part of his Christmas gift. He purchased a, I think it was only $1,400 gaming system hmm. as part of his Black Friday specials. So, I'm not sure that I could imagine spending $1,400 on anything at 18 years old. He has been saving his money for Two years, I think. He's been working for me for the last year or so. Uh, so he's he's not been spending his money. Yeah. So it's he's got him. he's got half in savings and the rest he's spending on this computer. Now there's something to be said for time deferred gratification. Yeah. So all right, so let's talk about firewalls in the sense of what these companies are now going through and what we as MSPs are going through where our clients are being forced to to do a lot of things that they didn't want to do before. And most of us are in a position where we've now got to shift and get them what they need. Now, for the most part, I think most of us are ready, but I'm finding that there are a lot of MSPs that are not ready. And a lot of that starts with the firewalls that we are picking and what are something as simple as, you know, a best practice checklist for firewalls. So I want to get your thoughts on where do you start when it comes to, you know, firewalls, not just selecting them, but, but what do you use as factors for best practice? Well, I think first you've got to find something that you're comfortable with. Um, you know, and I always tell people, don't let the tail wag the dog. So just because the client tells you, what you should be doing as the subject matter expert and the professional may not be the thing that you should do. I mean, obviously we all want the new client. We want to appease them. We want to make them happy. We want to bring them on board and we want to hopefully have this long-term engagement and relationship with them. But at the end of the day, they're not bringing you in. Like I've probably told you in the past, they're not bringing me in for my good looks. They're not bringing me in for my magnetic personality. So I should probably just do what is the right thing? Not by me, but by them. And so, you know, pick the thing that you know that you can support and standardize on it. I think that's the first step. You know, just like anything in life, if you do it enough times, you become proficient at it and you feel good about what you're doing. Um, so it's not just about how you're going to implement it and how you're going to use the tool, but picking the tool that you can feel comfortable with and 
show the client that you've got expertise with. I think that's the first step as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay. you, know, you see a lot of companies that will say, well, you know, if the client comes with ABC firewall, I'm good with it. I'll support it. And if they come with XYZ firewall, well, I'll support that too. And you wonder how they become an expert at any of it and how they implement the best practices around that because I just don't see it personally. Right. Um, well, yeah. I, I think that comes into play where this company that we I'm going to go ahead and say took over, uh, basically because the previous person, I, I don't think that they had the experience with firewalls because they were just allowing the ISP mm. to do the firewall <laughs> stuff for them. And the, the so-called ISP firewall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've um, seen one or two of those. So I think sometimes there's a perception problem out there where our customers think that, well, that's a firewall, isn't it? Or my router is good enough or my modem is good enough and trying to explain to them, no, it's not. Uh, sometimes it's difficult. And, you know, then you've got to, you know, not only buy the hardware piece, but purchase those services on top of it. So mm-hmm. that's pretty, uh, pretty common that I find where we, I have to explain that. So when you get to that point, so I have a list of must haves in a sense that, uh, for most of my clients, it's got to be a real firewall UTM. Yep. And then for the clients that I know we're going to have to really support, we're going to have those services on top of it. Um, and I will have, you know, obviously there's the things like the Stafel packet inspection and, you know, the application um, level content filtering, all that stuff, gateway antivirus, intrusion pre- prevention, those are things that are on my list. Are there things that I'm maybe not listing or things that you would say also should be on that must have list? Um, well, I think, you know, so stateful packet inspection, you know, so think about it like this. When you went to the airport, maybe a decade ago, all they would really do is look at your ID and say, Oh, hello, Mr. Donald duck. Oh, wow. Your luggage tag looks like your ID. So, come on aboard, get on my plane. We're very happy to have you. Thank you for purchasing your ticket. That's stateful packet inspection. But that's just not how the world works today. You have to have more of these advanced gateway services. You've got to have, like you said, the intrusion prevention, the gateway AV, the GOIP. I think GOIP is a really big mm-hmm. one. You know, Having that ability to block countries that are not just getting in, but where they're getting out to. Um, we saw it happen recently. I was telling you yesterday, you know, we talked about this just before we started, how we saw an incident with an MSP and we could see all of these machines establishing connections to Russia. We knew there was something going on. We could stop it. Um, but at the end of the day, we were talking with the partners like, well, why is your firewall not stopping this? They didn't even know what kind of firewall they had. So that's kind of a failure that goes along there. Um, come to find out it was the ISP's. <laughs> firewall modem that was doing something, but not doing the right things. And, you know, surprisingly enough, it was the question of well, what should I do? Well, first of all, you should put something in there that matters, something that has these advanced gateway services and something that when somebody asks you what you've got at the client site, you know exactly what's in there and you know exactly how it's been configured and you know what they're licensed for. I think that's a big deal. You know, if you need a tool because you've got to do a job in your house, you want to know that you have the tool and you want to know exactly where to get the tool. 
probably not wondering, huh, I wonder, am I going to use my crescent wrench to put that nail in the wall or am I actually going to use a hammer? I mean, because you could do it with a crescent wrench. It's going to be ugly, but it might work right. eventually if you don't miss and put a hole in the wall or do something else. All right. Um, so you just mentioned being able to detect these things. Mm-hmm. So one of the security requirement documents that I got from one of my law firms um, is actually requiring logging, reporting, and reporting in the sense of alerts that you just can't go back and review the logs. Um, Are our firewalls at the point where they can do that true real-time alerting? Um, By themselves, no. You know, because can a firewall potentially send you an email to tell you that it feels like based on the information that it's been given that there is a problem. Yes. Just about any next gen firewall, you know, and we'll name a few and it doesn't leave anybody out, but you know, you talk about Fortinet, you talk about Palo Alto, you talk about Cisco, you talk about SonicWall, you talk about WatchGuard, you talk about Meraki, some of the bigger names in the industries. Can they all do that basic functionality to send you an email to tell you, yes, there's definitely something going on. And here's what I think it is as the machine understands it. But then what? So that happens at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. Who reads that? Who reacts to that? Who then takes that information, provides the human intelligence that's needed, and then starts to devise a plan that says, okay, based on this information of what the technology has told me, here comes the people, here's the process behind it, and here's what we're going to do next. I mean, I think that's kind of the part that maybe if I go back – 10, 15 years, and you look at what people were doing in firewalls, people were reviewing the logs. People were looking at it. They were understanding the information that was been given to them. Um, maybe we've gotten a little lazy. Maybe we've gotten a little soft. Um, maybe we've just got too reliant on the capabilities of the box and not realizing that there's a whole other side to this that has to happen that makes it effective. I mean, you, you put a box of tools in your garage, it's not going to fix your car. When the human picks it up, it will fix the car and it will make it better, whatever that problem is. I think we're, we're missing a little bit of that with firewalls today. Is there a possibility that there's too much information and we get overloaded? Absolutely. Because I know that, so I'll go ahead and say my firewall of choice is SonicWall. Mm-hmm. And part of my frustration is setting it up and turning on the alerting and then having to go through all the different sections and turning off the stuff that I just don't want to see. I know it's, I know it's benign. I know it's not going to mean anything. So why get it? Well, but you don't necessarily know that it's benign. I mean, getting an alert one time for one thing that may feel benign. Okay. I agree. But what happens if that one thing happens 10 times in the next 10 minutes? Maybe that's somebody knocking on your door repetitively, trying to find out something about you or just test you to see if there's a response mechanism on the other side. And so as we all kind of deal with this alert fatigue, I think it's a common term that gets used in the 
the managed security service provider space and you hear people talking about all of the alert fatigue because of all of these logs and all of this generated information that comes to us that we're all dealing with, um, maybe that's why you have a good security operations that you partner with, a good MSSP, because they'll have intelligent systems that, okay, the first time it comes in, I don't care about it. The second time it comes in, I still don't care about it. The third time, now I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to you. The fifth, sixth, and seventh time, now I'm going to start to escalate that. I'm going to allow that machine learning. I'm going to allow those mathematical algorithms to start doing their job so that maybe that thing that we thought was benign isn't quite as benign as it may be, and somebody is playing that low and slow attack on us that we have to be more aware of. And having the machines help us understand what that other machine is saying can get a human to interact with something in a way that would probably have been missed otherwise. All right. So that's where the second part of our discussion comes in. But before we get there, I want to go back real quick. You had mentioned the GOIP. Yeah. Which is something that I have fallen in love with. Uh, I don't know how other companies do it, but I know with SonicWall, uh, it's very easy enough to just go in and say these countries Mm-hmm. don't want to hear from them and don't want to allow stuff. And of course I work with attorneys who like to go on vacation and <laughs> I'll get calls on a Monday morning saying, Hey, such and such can't connect. They're over in St. Croix. Can you open that up? <laughs> and, um, stuff like that. But I love that feature of just being able to lock that stuff out. Um, I think one thing that does for you with your clients, it continues to build value, you know, that you're not just randomly allowing the whole entire world to get in and get out. And yes, are they frustrated because they can't do what they want to do when they want to do it as fast as they want to do it? Because, you know, we are a society of I need it now. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about that time deferred gratification. It doesn't seem to exist much in society today because we are a society of now. Um, But that makes you sticky with your client. It helps them understand that you have that continued value. Even if it is slowing them down a little bit, you're there for them and you're making it better. I, I'm sorry. There's, so I'm driving down to Miami today and my office calls me to say that um, I'm getting a call from one of my clients and they need a personal laptop to be allowed on the Wi-Fi ASAP. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I get to the point, you know, I was actually right there at the location I was going to. So, you know, within a couple of minutes, I'm upstairs, I'm logging in and I look, the call to my office came three minutes after they sent an email and I did not respond to the email fast enough is why that call came. Uh (laughs) So your delayed gratification, um, Marvin, that happens so many times. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten an email from somebody and I may be just getting ready to click on it. And it's been in my inbox for five minutes and the phone is ringing in the office and somebody walks in and says, Hey, so-and-so is on the phone with you and they want to talk to you about something urgent. It's like, wow, man, I just got an email from them. And it's immediately, did you get my email? Mm -hmm. First question. I'm like, like, dude, it was, it was five minutes ago. I mean, Seriously, it's like look, Domino's won't even deliver a pizza in like 30 minutes. Like, could I have seven minutes? Could I have 10 minutes? I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's something when somebody sends an email and you don't respond to it as fast as they click send. Yeah. 
it is funny. It's like, well, I happen to be in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm sorry that I was brushing my teeth or I had to take the dog out or I don't know. I was know. kissing my wife goodbye. Can I do that, please? <laughs> no, please. You shouldn't do that. That's not acceptable, Marvin. It's oh, my goodness gracious. I want well, to go back to one thing we were talking about, the firewall. Yeah. I think there's one thing that continuously gets missed. And you know, we talk about how powerful they become. And we talk about all of these what you call next gen features or UTM features. And it brings all of this incredible power to the box, but there's some basic fundamentals that I tell you still get missed over and over and over again. Um, had a call with a partner last week and they were talking about the regulatory compliance that their client was going through and had this call this week and had it last week. And they were talking about, you know, had to be able to justify all of the ports that were being allowed in and out of the firewall. And they said, Hey, we've got it covered. You know, look at this. And all they show me is from the internet into the internal network. It's like, okay, well, what about in the opposite direction? Oh, that's not necessary. That's out of scope. I was like, I don't think you understand. Let's read that statement in NIST 800-171 in this particular instance. It's like, does it define the flow of traffic? No, it doesn't. It just says you have to be able to justify every port and protocol in that firewall, which means not only what comes in, but everything that goes out, everything that moves between those different VLANs or those different networks. And 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, this was the staple of how we did business in a firewall. It was blocking and tackling. You know, I'm not going to allow this port out. I'm not going to allow SSH. I'm not going to allow Telnet. I'm not going to allow these things that could cause a bigger problem. And nine out of 10 times we're brought into an incident that turns into a breach. And I would probably even go, there's a lot of months where it's 10 out of 10 times. Nobody does this anymore. Um, we've gotten really lazy because we think that the compensating controls within the firewall and their power are going to overcompensate, but all of the regulatory compliances. And, I don't, and it's not just looking at CMMC for the DOD contractors, and it's not just PCI, and it's not HIPAA, and it's not SOX, and it's not GLB, it's not GDPR, it's all of them. This is a mandatory requirement because it's still best practices. So having the best box in the world with some what I will call less than stellar programming, let's call it what it is, it's trash, um, leaves you susceptible and weak. And it's not the firewall's fault. It's the human being that didn't do the right thing because it's hard. So I'm, I'm going through, I had some pages of a document that I use. And one of those things is reviewing the traffic that not only comes in, but goes out and crosses VPN uh, internal uh, ports because uh, what is it? Uh, da, da, da. Let's see, ICMP echo request, blah blah blah. But it, now they're concerned about lateral intrusions. Mm -hmm. That you've got to know the traffic going sideways, especially if you're in, say, a multi-site location. Um, which I've got a couple of law firms where we've got multiple offices. And we've got VPNs and, you know, WAN traffic going back and forth, servers talking to each other. And, of course, you know, something happens. Um, that's what I'm looking to get with uh, 
some of the stuff is to start monitoring that traffic a little better. It's, um, it's not easy. Um, but you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. And you and I, you and I'd be far less valuable than we are today. Yeah. So, I mean, but we, we as MSPs and we as MSSPs, we really have to start doing better things for our clients and we have to be more forceful in what we tell them. We have to be kind. You know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be condescending. You don't have to talk down to them, but you do have to speak from a position of authority and speak with a position of intelligence and allow that intelligence to bring action to the table and allow your clients to get protected. You know, cause like you said, you've got this multi-site client and let's just say in the VPNs, you have it open any, any, there's no port restrictions. There's no control of anything. And all they really need to do is they need to print. They need some authentication. So they need DNS. They need to be able to authenticate against LDAP and maybe they need to get to a file share. And so they need NFS. Well, there are 70 plus thousand TCP ports and UDP ports. And we probably defined maybe five of them just now. So if we give them the five that they need and one branch location gets hit with ransomware and it tries to replicate through using some obscure port, well, you've shut it down. And yeah, it's a bad day for that one branch, but it doesn't take down the entirety of an organization. Right. And it makes the bad guys actually work hard to do what they want to do next. So when we're talking about that, so we talked about, you know, having these better conversations with our clients and some of the conversations have to, in my mind, and you tell me if I'm wrong, start mirroring these disaster scenarios that they're familiar with. You know, you protect your building and your office against fire. Here in Florida, we protect against hurricanes. So we've also got to protect against cyber attacks just as, you know, voraciously as we do against those other things. Absolutely. I mean, it was interesting. So I, I spent nine years in the military um, and had a couple of deployments. And I had a very unique opportunity a few years ago to testify on Capitol Hill and testify about cybersecurity and how it was affecting small to medium businesses. And it was, um, I don't remember the gentleman's name who was chairing the committee, um, but his comment was, is you've traded one battlefield for the next. And that's truly where we're at today. You know, we are in this warfare right now in cybersecurity in this digital landscape. And it's, it's a fight. And, you know, I don't think if you knew you were going into a fight that you would go in casually, you'd go in as prepared as you could be. You'd have everything that you needed to do the job well to survive. And some of that has to change. We as a community, we have to become more responsible. Um, and I think maybe you've heard me talk about this, about the responsibility. And it's not just you, Marvin, as the MSP that has to be responsible, and it's not just the client that has to be responsible, or it's not just the MSSP or the manufacturer of the technology. It's all of us together. If we don't start sharing in the responsibility and realizing that we're a team and start trying to all do it together, then the failure is a failure of all of us, and the success is a success of all of us. So it's, it's a whole lot less of this. Right. You did this. You did that. You didn't do this, or you didn't do that. It's got to be a lot more of us, you know, believing. I mean, I think, you know, you go to your client and you tell them, hey, this is what you need. 
you've come to me as the expert. You told me that you need to pass this regulatory compliance scan, PCI. Well, here's what I need. I need this tool to help you pass. Um, you know, if one of their clients came to them as the well-established attorney law firm that they are, and their client looked at him and said, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. What would the attorney say? Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to represent you. I can't give you the outcome you want if you won't do it my way. Right. You know, sometimes we have to be those people that say, I can't give you the outcome you want if you won't do it my way. Right. Attorneys are <laughs> got to love them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's this plus minus with attorneys and doctors and some really highly educated individuals. They spend so much of their life getting all of this amazing education that allows them to do these hard skills to be these defenders, to be these caretakers, to do these things. But sometimes they don't really understand. They don't know as much about everything as they'd like to think they do. And there are some trained professionals out there like yourself, you know, like a lot of these other MSPs that really know what they're doing. And, and look, they might hire you for your good looks, but they're sure not getting me for that. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> So I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you and I'm, and I'm nodding my head and I'm saying yes, yes, yes. But I'm also thinking that, you know, I have both attorneys and medical offices and we, it's weird having the discussion with them because yes, they are the expert in their field and they have no problem flaunting that. Right. And in, in, in the situation I'm in, so a lot of these law firms that I deal with are, insurance defense firms. So their clients are the insurance companies. Those insurance companies are the ones telling them, we need you to do this for your security. Mm -hmm. So the attorneys then are mad at them, but then they want to sign the paperwork to say that they're compliant. And then they send it over to me and say, okay, can you make sure we're doing this? And I say, okay, I can do that, but I need this and need that. Well, no, we don't want to pay you anymore. So then they're mad at me. And I'm like, why are you mad at me? Because you're telling them no. And nobody wants to be told <laughs> no, Marvin. Come on. We all hate the word no. I mean, but what's the most valuable lesson in life you've ever learned is when somebody told you, no, you did that wrong. And it was an opportunity for you to do it different, to do it better, and to succeed in a way that if everybody just told you yes, well, yeah, the world's already in trouble. So, it's okay. <laughs> so before – okay, so we're, we're blowing out the format now, so I'm, I'm going off board here. So here's my question to you. I, I mean I know that you're hearing a lot of what's going on, and a lot of this is in your wheelhouse, but you're hearing from MSPs like me. So is what these insurance companies, you know, the carriers that are now cracking down because mm -hmm. they're not giving out the cybersecurity insurance like they were even two years ago. For good you know, reason. Um, they've lost tons of money. Right. And you know the house always wins. Yes. Um, I mean, yes, I knew that was coming. But is it right the way we're doing it in terms of – these security requirements now being forced? I mean, do you agree with them? Do you like them? Are we okay with them? Do I agree with them? Yes. 
I, I don't think they're doing anything than what probably should have been done all along. Right. Um, but because there was no teeth to it, because there was no enforcement, because there was nothing that anybody needed that kept them honest, people were taking shortcuts. Um, you know, think about it. Think of how, how many people you've talked to that either got wrapped up in a Home Depot breach or the Equifax breach or Verizon breach or whatever is target. How many people do you hear that are frustrated at these massive organizations, these multi hundreds of millions of dollar organizations? And they had this compromise and they're mad because their information was taken and they're mad because the organization didn't do enough. But then as people that have the influence to make change within the organizations that they are, that are far more small compared to those ones that I've mentioned, they're not doing any better. They're actually doing worse. You know, you look at what happened to some of the ones that I mentioned. Those were purposeful. Somebody came at them. This was not a drive-by. Somebody came at them. They knew what they were going after. They were trying to find a way in because it was a big treasure trove of data that they could get. Um, but if we're frustrated that this is happening to us, then why aren't we doing it better for the client's information that we have the responsibility to protect? I think the insurance companies are doing the right thing. Look, if somebody wants something from me and I have to meet their expectations and I want to do business with them, then I just have to do the dance. It's what it is. I don't think there's a choice or I just don't do business with them. So if these organizations don't want cybersecurity insurance, well, then don't get it. You know, put a whole lot of money in the bank, hold on to it and be ready to spend whatever it takes to recover. Self-insure. Yeah. I mean, it's an option if you're, if you're funded that way and you've got the money. I mean, I'm not, I've got cybersecurity insurance and I've got a ton of it. Um, cause I'm in that field where I know that I am a larger target and I'm doing as much as I can to do the right things. But, you know, if somebody decides to come at me, let's say the nation state of Korea decides to come at me, I've just got to hang on for the ride and be able to react to it as fast as I can. There's no stopping it at the right. end of the day. I just have to see it as quick as I can. Yeah. It's, I mean, and just for the record, I, I mean, I'm happy that this is happening. Uh, I'm frustrated at the response that the clients are having uh, pushing back. But, you know, I tell them if, if you look at those types of breaches from those larger companies and you think it's not going to be you, well, I'm trying to gather more stories of other companies like them who got hit with stuff and did not survive, you know, just because you're not a multi-billion dollar company, you know, you can't afford that. And, you know, the targets of the world, yeah, they got hit and we think that they've got deep pockets, you know, and the cost for them to fix it probably was multiples of what it would have cost to prevent it, mm-hmm. which is what I tell the customers. Look, you've got to look at it from the standpoint of spend a little now to make sure you don't have to spend a lot later. And not just, you know, spending a lot, but you might not be able to recover stuff. Well, what, what people don't realize, or I don't think they realize, it's not just about the money that comes out of your pocket. You know, what happens from the damage to your brand? What happens when the clients leave you because they're frustrated by whatever has happened? I mean, you can't see them as a dentist. 
because your systems have been shut down. You don't have access to them because they've been ransomed and locked. And so now you've got this cascading effect of things that happen that aren't just about the money you're going to lose that is tangible. You've got brand recognition. I mean, it is. Yeah, you're going to lose customers. Yeah, you're going to lose customers. And, And getting your brand tarnished, even when you haven't done it wrong, I mean, and I will say, you know, so we, we provide incident response when people have these incidences and they've been compromised. In all of the years that we've been doing that, I will tell you that there has been one customer for sure that we have come in that I've looked at and I was like, damn, dude, they just got you. I mean, like you really legitimately were doing everything as well as you could. You really did it right. And unfortunately, they were just better than you were today. You know, it's that, that saying any given Sunday, yeah. any team can lose. And in this one instance, and most of them, man, it is just laziness. It is just lackadaisical. Oh, let me let my CISO be a domain admin with his user account and let's not use two factor and let's expose our domain controller for RDP access just because it's easy to get into the environment and then be frustrated why you got breached. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, you gave it up. It's really nobody's fault but your own at that time. Right. That's where I tell people, that's where I tell people, what good is it to have an alarm system if you just leave the back door open? What's good? What good is it to have an alarm system if nobody's watching it? I mean, look, it will keep the honest person honest. If I put an ADT sign in my front yard, guarded by ADT, it will keep the honest person honest. But the person who really has interest to get something out of my house you know, they're going to come up and ring the doorbell, see if anybody responds. They might throw some rocks at the window. They might walk around the property just to see what the response yeah. is. If there's no response, they're coming in. Yep. I mean, it, yeah. All right. Well, before we go on, and I've got more questions that just popped up. Uh, looks like we've got a question from the chat. Marvin and Michael, have you looked into Threat Locker service? We have, actually. Um Marvin, at the first place that I met you at the TechCon Unplugged event mm-hmm. in Chicago, uh, Threat Locker was there. And Danny, who is the CEO, was the first time I've had an opportunity to chat with him. We shot a couple games of pool. And I'm going to tell you, they have an amazing technology. Now, do I think it's the end-all, be-all? No, because nothing is. You know, we all – what I will say is – when money was something we actually carried in our pockets, it wasn't just the plastic that we used to swipe everywhere we go or tap our phones and you know use NFC. Finding that shiny penny felt really cool. It's like, oh man, you know, look, I got a penny or I found a nickel or I found a quarter. I think a lot of times in this space, especially in the cybersecurity space, we're all chasing that shiny penny. We're chasing the unicorn. I love what they're doing. I think they've done something in application control that I've never seen done before. So I think they have done something and the way they do the ring fencing and the way that they do it. Yes. I believe that it is something very cool, very unique, and it is game changing, but it doesn't change the fact of doing the basic principles first, you know, not using two factor. Well, it puts that product at risk not putting in a good firewall and doing the right things, put that product at risk, not doing good patch management, again, puts that product at risk. So they call that defense in depth, having great technology, but actually utilizing it the way it's supposed to be used will make everything else work better. All right. So keeping with the concept of layering. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that you've still got to do all the other stuff, like you said. So the firewall discussion we're having, <laughs> still got to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I would say the firewall becomes a little bit less relevant today than it was 24 months ago. And I say a little bit um, because you've got so many people working from home and they're not necessarily inside of the brick and mortar anymore. And you've seen that new modern office. You think about what Microsoft has done to enable people to work with their 365 offering and, and not taking anything away from Google and what they've got in G Suite or G Place or G Work or G whatever. I don't know what it's called today. It's as, it's as bad as Microsoft. Please don't ask me what the program is called because they're changing its name all the time. Um, but, you know, you've still got to do those basic principles. You've still got to do those things that matter. And if you're taking all of this stuff and you're creating virtual servers in you know, Azure or wherever you're putting them, well, you probably need a firewall there and not just something that is a stateful packet inspection firewall. Cause you can look, you could put a virtual Palo Alto up there. You put a virtual Sonic wall up there. You put a virtual Fortinet up there. You put a virtual watch guard up there. So just because it's not within the confines of those four corners anymore, doesn't mean that you've lost the need for a firewall when you've got true virtual servers sitting out there somewhere still necessary right so part of the questions that i was going to ask you about this firewall discussion is the companies are now asking for the ability to audit Mm -hmm. and for you to show documentation that you did it absolutely regardless of where your data is so wherever your data is they want to know that it's protected so i see uh chris your question there i will come back to that but I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, we still have to do these things. But not only that, we now have to prove we're doing these things. I mean, look, any good auditor that walks in, even if you can demonstrate that you're doing it, if it's not documented in the auditing world, it didn't happen. It doesn't exist. Some of that comes from the proverbial idea. If I walk out of here when we're done with this and I get hit by a bus, how does it carry on without me? And if there isn't document, if there isn't a good plan that helps people move forward in your absence, people get sick. We have birthdays, we have weddings, we have funerals, we have events in our lives that will take us away from our job. We have vacations. Somebody else has to be able to follow in your footsteps and do those things. And if the documentation isn't there, I mean, if I whisper something in your ear and then you go whisper it in somebody else's ear, then you whisper it in somebody else's ear, the story will have changed by the time it comes back around. So having that good documentation ensures that those policies, that that plan of action that you are doing, or maybe not, um, because I will tell you, quite often do we see that there's some really good documentation and that there is an action behind it either. So it goes both ways. You know, the words have to meet the actions and the actions have to meet the words. Right. So some of the things I've seen included with the documentation requests are not just, hey, what's your firewall? And is it patched? Um, they're now asking for change log management mm-hmm. or however you say that, yeah, you know, change control, you know, who did it? Mm-hmm. Why did they do it? <laughs> and are they doing it in a timely fashion? And it even goes further than that. Um, if you are truly falling under some sort of regulatory compliance, 
you know, like the ones we mentioned earlier. Um, and you're supposed to be auditing these logs. You're supposed to be retaining these logs. A good auditor is going to come in and say, give me a sample. And we have it happen to us all the time. We would like a sample data from three Thursdays ago from 7 and 8 a.m. It is a proving point that says you say you're doing it. You've documented that you say you're doing it. Now prove it to me. Send me a sample data. They're not going to review it for its authenticity. They're not going to try to replay it to see if there was a security event in there. But it does prove if you're actually following through with your actions of what you've said and what you've documented. And that's important. It's like testing your backup. You know, it's good to have it. But if you never test it, how do you know that it works? Right. All right. So one of the questions I was going to ask you is a lot of times people think that if I just do a quick vulnerability test, if I just have somebody from the outside scan my IP address, that'll be good enough. Is it? It's a good start. I think it's, I mean, in the PCI world, you have no choice. You have to do it. That is part of your PCI compliance. Do I think, I think that's a little bit of old school way of thinking. Um, there's very few attacks that I feel that are that brute force of, let me figure out how I exploit you from the outside in trying to kick in your door. Um, it's socially engineered. It's an email. It's phishing. It's some sort of attachment because they're not doing outbound port filtering and all firewalls are working off of reflexive nature. Whatever goes out comes in. I type www.cnn.com. I hit enter. Well, it sends it to the firewall. The firewall pushes it out to the world and it waits. It waits for a response from the world to give me that request back. So do I think it's a good step and something necessary? Yes, absolutely. Do I think you should probably be doing that same sort of vulnerable, what I will call vulnerability management internally? And do I think that's more important? I do personally. I think verifying the vulnerabilities that you have inside the environment are far more important of what you have on the outside. It's a much easier attack if I'm going to get you. So that goes beyond this, you know, just simply testing. So what comes along with that monitoring and that ongoing, I almost want to say ongoing auditing because it's almost like you just, you know, every time you check it, you've got to audit it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it goes into, you mentioned it earlier and you were talking about, you know, we'll call it the patch management for firewalls, updating its firmware. Um, you know, every piece of code that is written by a man, woman, or child is fallible because we are humans. We make mistakes and there's a whole dark, dirty world out there that's trying to exploit those mistakes. And so if you don't have a good patch management scenario, you know, whether it is monthly, checking with the manufacturer, whether it is quarterly, I think monthly probably is the right thing. I think quarterly at the very far set of it, it should be no no longer than quarterly um, because there's exploits. Every firewall manufacturer's had it. Every firewall manufacturer has suffered from it. Um, unfortunately, we as an industry don't help them with their job and it makes them look bad because You've seen it. I mean, you've seen it with SonicWall. Yes. They've done a really good job of coming out and saying, hey, there's this vulnerability. There's this firmware update. Please push it. And months and months will go by. And then all of a sudden, you'll see somebody get themselves in trouble. It's like, well, well SonicWall let me down. No, they didn't let you down. You let you down. They told you you were busy. 
I get it. We're all busy. But at the end of the day, we have to accept some responsibility together. And come back to that word. We all have to do our part. Um, you know, I, it, it's a bunch of pieces and parts that come together. And if we do it right, it works right. So I'm trying to be politically correct in my questions. Oh, so. my goodness gracious. Please <laughs> be politically correct with me because you've spent time with me. You know how politically incorrect I am. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing this for my benefit then is what you're saying because you know if you set me up I'm going to say something right. we we <laughs> might have to we might have to bleep a few things <laughs> yeah there's a good chance I'm doing my best right now to stay out of that realm yep um so so audit and compliance so it's something that we need to start doing on a much more regular basis and help our clients be compliant help the insurance companies. And some of this comes with the idea of we need to, you know, not only deal with that beginning checklist, making sure we've, you know, checked all the boxes that we need, but having a policy in place. Now I'm asking about this because I did have a client last week, give me another thing. And they have like 10 questions about the firewall Asking, do you have such and such in your security policy? Mm-hmm. I know the customer doesn't have it. They want me to sign off and say that they do. Don't do it. <laughs> so Don't do it. I, I lost. So we have been in business for just a little over 20 years. My very first client had been with me from the very beginning. And they were going through an audit. And they wanted me to sign an attestation that I did not feel comfortable with. And I did not feel like it was in my best interest. And I did not feel like it was in their best interest. So I hired an outside firm to look at it for me, to help me understand what my liability was. And they clearly came back and said, hey, if you sign this and they have an incident, they have any sort of compromise, they have any breach at all, you are 100% responsible. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they haven't done. It doesn't matter what their security officer was supposed to do that didn't do. You're accepting all responsibility. And it felt bad to me. And I came back and I said, look, I would love to do this. You mean so much more to me than I'll ever be able to explain because you were number one. You were my first love. And yet I couldn't do it. And I got fired. And it hurt. I mean, you want to talk about like the the male ego getting crushed? Oh, yeah. The male ego got crushed on that one. Um, but it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And it honestly wasn't the right thing for them either. So if your client puts you in that compromising position where they're asking you to sign something that you know, they're not doing at the end of the day, are you willing to lose everything that you've worked for because you're attesting to something that you know is not true and eventually it'll come out. And then who are you going to blame? Are you going to blame them for asking? Or are you going to blame yourself for saying yes? And at the end of the day, you've got to accept all that responsibility because it was your free will that made that decision. So I, I know it. I know that feeling. So I have gone through that where I got fired because I would not. Uh, let me rephrase that. So we went through a situation a couple of years ago where they needed to do a compliance and I wouldn't let them sign it. And they eventually lost 
31 cases. It was a law firm. And their client ripped 31 cases from them and says, well, since you're not compliant, we're pulling these cases. And the client was mad at me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, you, I can't sign it, and you wouldn't make time to sit down with me and put these things in place. So fast forward two years later, going through it again, and I made them this time get a third-party uh, assessment company to come in and look at all their stuff. 98% failure. And they were like, well, what do we do to fix it? I said, I've been telling you for two years what you need to do to fix it. <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, then we can't be friends. <laughs> the way I, mean, it is. It, I mean, that's tough love. I mean, that's sometimes what you have to do. You have to get – I tell people all the time, look, I didn't pick your career path for you. I didn't lobby or not lobby for whatever legislation is in front of you, whatever regulatory compliance you have to follow. It wasn't me. I don't have that much juice. If I did, I'd be retired and own some little island somewhere. You'd never hear from me again. Um, so at the end of the day, this is your path. This is your responsibility. This is your have to. I can facilitate if you let me. But if you don't let me, then like you said, we can't be friends. Yeah. I mean, That's tough. Somebody's got to do it. Right. You know, if you if you don't want me to do it, fine. Find somebody else. And if something happens, good luck. And you had said earlier, just getting into this topic, you said something about doing it for the insurance companies. Um, I don't think we're doing it for the insurance companies. I think honestly, what the insurance companies are asking us to do today is good, solid, practical action. And a lot of this isn't something that's new. A lot of this are things that we've been doing or should have been doing for at least the last however yeah, many the, years. Yeah, these, they, the rules haven't changed Not really. much. Maybe a little wording and phrasing here to update them, but it's all the same stuff. It is. I mean, it's certainly getting more advanced. The threats are becoming more pervasive. They're becoming more advanced. The attack vectors are becoming far more sophisticated. So when they come in and say, oh, you have to have an EDR. Okay, well, EDRs didn't exist 10 years ago. But that's just keeping with the changing times. You know, it's this, like we started talking about before we came on the air, change or be changed. You know, and so needing an EDR or needing what is now MDR or, you know, next iteration xdr i mean that's just normal business anymore but a lot of this what the insurance companies are asking for it's old school it's not anything that we didn't know or probably knew and just chose to ignore to be honest all right well i want to go back to chris's question uh only in the sense that we have not talked really specific about firewalls in terms of Vendors, uh, mm-hmm. we have mentioned several, um, but and I've only mentioned that you know I use SonicWall as my first choice, so that's that's um, the extent right. of here. But uh, Chris asked a question: What is both of your opinions of PFSense? Not my go-to. Um, I think that there are better firewalls out there. Um, like I said, I here's one of the things that I. And I don't know enough about PFSense to maybe make this statement, but I'll make it anyhow. Um, if I buy a tool, I want that tool to be supported. 
I want to be able to pick up the phone, call a manufacturer and say, hey, there is a problem with this. Is this your code or am I stupid? And I just don't know what I'm doing. Um, I've heard, and maybe it has changed, but PFSense was a lot more open source. And so a lot of your support you got through crowdsourcing. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly lots of amazing options to get wonderful information off of Reddit. But I don't know that anybody on Reddit is going to know the Fortinet code better than Fortinet. And when we're talking about something that they, what I would consider a core critical asset to an organization and their survivability in a cyber attack, I, you get what you pay for. So is it good? Yes. Is it great? I don't think so, personally. I probably heard a lot of people's feelings tonight, but I'm sorry. Well, I will. Well, I'll walk that plank with you. I, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I'm not out on the ledge alone. Thank you, Mark. Um, I mean, there's several out there that, first of all, I don't, I don't like to poo-poo open source software because I know that there are people that are doing great things with it. But from the standpoint of me and my clients, I need to know that there's something more behind it, which is why I partner with name brands that are top tier. Is that the best way to describe it? I think it's a good way of describing it. Um, I want it. I want them to, to be with companies they know, you know, so that if their HP computer takes a dump, it's an HP. It's not something that I built in my, you know, garage. But you know we all did it. Well, of course I did it. (laughs) That very first client of mine, when I first got hired by them, because I was on unemployment, had lost my job, dot-com failure, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, mad at the world because I had this amazing military career that I'd given up. And I was building computers. I was going to the computer show. I was buying everything. I was putting it together. But what I realized is that was not long-term sustainable. And so when people were having problems, well, I now had to carry inventory. I'd have all of these parts, or then I had to say, hey, I'm sorry, but it's going to take me a week to get that part. That machine's going to be down. So you start dealing with an HP or an IBM or a Dell, and you have a next business day warranty on it for the three, four, five years, whatever you bought. Well, you pick up the phone. Hey, that hard drive crapped out. Okay, we'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. I'm on to the next. I don't have to think about it anymore. I mean, that is a level of operational maturity that is something that you just have to get to to get to that next level of what you're going to be as a business, in yeah. my opinion. It's exactly what I did. I I built a ton of computers, and I made good money doing it. But the time I spent not just building but supporting mm-hmm. got to be too much. And my business customers, I felt I owed it to them to have a vendor behind me. And, you know, yeah, having that uh, ability to say, look – I'm going to call such and such, not I'm going to get on the web and try to find some people that may know something. So um, I have seen, and I have to remember, it's it's either PFSense or OpenSense. Um, some of the features in them were nice, you know, um, but it was a generic box that you put it on. And I just, not for me, at least not right now, to be honest. I mean, I think... It's there's a reason why you do it. 
Um, but I think, you know, let's pick on Coca-Cola for a moment because we can. Um, I'm going to guess, and I don't really have any reason to guess this, but I don't think Coca-Cola is probably using an open source as their main firewall. Would be my guess. I would and hope, it's not because not. they just have well, it's not because they just have unlimited budgets and they can buy what they want to buy. They're making a educated decision to buy something that is going to afford them a better opportunity to hopefully survive the attack. Or more importantly, if the hardware goes out, they probably have some sort of escalation for replacement that's going to get it to them fast so that they don't maintain some sort of down state that's going to be catastrophic to their business. <laughs> well, and you're going to get the things we talked about, the the patches, the firmware, the updates and stuff. Those companies are forefront in keeping up with that. Absolutely. Um, the whole – my medical office that I have been struggling with and had a nice conversation with them today about stuff – but one of the reasons that I was able to keep them on SonicWall was because they went through this period where they were getting their, you know, for their firewall checked. And basically there was one failure and it was all because there was an update that was available that we didn't put on it. And we did that. You know, if I had to go in search of it on my own, I don't know how long I would have had to do that. And, and your time is valuable. Yeah. And at some point in time, sending all of that additional time doing that research, trying to find it as opposed to getting it to the client in a more timely manner, one that costs you money, two, it's cost your clients, your other clients additional time because you're not giving them something that they need that, you know, you've got 18,000 priority ones because that's what happens. Everything's a priority one. Um, you want to be able to, you want to be able to hit it and move on, hit it and move on. You really don't have time to monkey around with it, in my opinion. All right. Well, that's a good segue to allow you time to kind of pimp what it is you do. We've not really, we've hinted around it. Um, <laughs> Marvin, why is it that I say monkey around and that's my segue to what I do? What are you trying to say, man? I don't understand. Where are you going with this? <laughs> so just so that, you know, in all fairness and uh, full disclosure, I have just recently signed up with your company, Solutions Granted, to start doing some monitoring of the firewalls because my time is valuable. <laughs> Yes, sir. And for um, lack of a better phrase, I need to do it better also. And that's what you guys do. So with all that we spoke about today, why don't you briefly tell our listeners what it is Solutions Granted does and can do for MSPs like me? Sure. So we are classified as a master managed security service provider. Um really fancy way of saying that we're an MSSP for the channel. We service MSPs, we service VARs, and we even service some younger startup MSSPs. We have a 24-7 security operations center. Now I make this comment of, it's my employees. They're North American based. I don't outsource it and they're never overseas. And did I say they were my employees? Um, and that's important. 
this is not done through automation. Yes, we have tons of automation going on, but we have real live human beings awake around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We are hunting, we are researching, we are investigating, and we're looking for that anomalistic behavior of things that are happening, not just from firewalls. We're ingesting from just about anything you can imagine. We're pulling it in from 365. We're pulling it in from G Suite. We're pulling it in from endpoints. We're pulling it in from Windows logs. We're pulling it in from switches. We are pulling it in from anywhere that somebody might want to send it to us so that we can analyze it and hopefully find an early indicator to compromise so that we can stop it before it becomes a blazing inferno. That's it in a nutshell. Yep, we yeah. hunt the things in the middle of the night so that you don't have to. And that's exactly what I needed. Um, and I needed things like log retention. We have that as well. Because, again, this uh, security requirement assessment that I got <laughs> says that you are going to maintain logs for one year. And I can't do that right now. Um, and I don't want to spend time trying to figure out how to do it myself. Yeah, it's... um. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I think that's, you know, we talked about log fatigue earlier. You know, we are such a connected society and it's not just like it used to be. I mean, it is proliferating in ways that we couldn't even have probably imagined three years ago today. It's everything. I mean, everything is connected. You know, you and I have more processing power that is in our hand that we slip into our back pocket every day we walk out of our house than they probably had when they put a man on the moon. That is true. Yes, it is. And there's so many vulnerabilities around that. There's so much connection. There's so much that we give up by having that, but there's so much that we gain. Um, We just have to start having better compensating controls and really being aware of what we're doing and how we're doing it. You know, and if you can't be, and if you don't want to spend the million and some change that it takes to build out a, true security operations center just to get it launched, then partner with somebody. There's lots of us out there that are doing great things. There's a question from Giles that actually, I think, so you have made comments in the past and I'll say this one. You have actually coined a phrase that is kind of like one that I used a couple years ago. We did a show called don't run RDP naked. Yeah, boy, I wish people wouldn't do that. (laughs) So you used a phrase of running 365 naked. Yeah. Um, And so Giles puts a question here. Can you see a situation with an office with everything in the M365 cloud coupled with solutions-granted services where you don't need a robust physical firewall? Sure. I mean – You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we saw everybody shift from the office to the home, and then you really started hearing what was happening. You heard what Google was saying. You heard what Facebook was saying. You heard what Robert Hershebeck from the Hershebeck group was saying, that these people were going to start shutting down their physical offices, and they were going to start leaving people transition to work from home. If you have a client that has gotten rid of their physical brick-and-mortar location, and everybody's working from home, Well, then where do you put the physical firewall? You don't have it because you've gotten rid of your file server and you've moved it to SharePoint OneDrive. You've gotten rid of your domain controller and you're with Azure AD. Um, Their business application is being run through some SaaS provider out there. 
So yeah, I mean, I can see that there's coming a time where the physical firewalls are becoming less relevant, um, not because they don't have a place of doing things, but just because that idea of do we really have an office anymore, physical firewalls may not be important. Now, I will say, um, if you are a security person like me, oh, I've got a physical firewall in my house. <laughs> and trying to get Cox or Comcast or Fios or whoever it is to understand, and you keep calling it a firewall and you keep saying what you've gotten, like, oh, so that's a router. It's like, no, if I want to call it router, I'll call it a router. So yeah, I mean, I think having a physical firewall is probably, and, and maybe we get to that point where firewalls become a little bit less expensive. They become a little bit faster. And as we've transitioned out, more businesses start putting them in their employees' homes. Um, it's probably a negligible cost considering what they were spending in rent and what they were spending in electricity and everything else it took to keep that brick and mortar going. I don't know. Me personally, yes, I've got one. Do all of my at-home employees have them? Absolutely. There is no doubt. We've put them in there because I want that level of protection. I want that level of control. And actually, I have a work-from-home firewall that I just recently got from a vendor that I'm going to take to my home. Even though I've got a Sonic Sonic Wall Soho there, I'm going to put this in and test it for a vendor and uh, see how it goes. Because they are really doing um, this work-from-home gateway push, in a sense, so that there can be secure VPNs back to the main office. And And there's lots of it out there. I mean, you see, so there's a company by the name of iBoss, um, Perimeter 81. You're starting to see more of that kind of firewall in the cloud, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And it's almost this tunnel all VPN. The machine makes a connection. It tunnels out to something. All of the firewalling, all of the security services are happening at scale in the cloud. And I know there's a lot more than Perimeter 81 and iBoss. It just happens to be two that I've looked at and talked to over the last year and, you know, kind of like some of the ideas behind what they're doing. But yeah, it's uh, um, the physical firewalls are changing, but the virtual firewalls are exploding at the moment. You know, because like I said, SonicWall's got a virtual firewall yeah. that you can run in the cloud. Fortinet's got it. Palo Alto's got it. I mean, any of the top tier providers. PFSense has got it. PFSense has had virtual firewalls for a very long time at the end of the day. Um, so you could, I mean, I would only assume that you could run that in Azure. You could run that in a virtual environment that could support whatever their appliance, their VM would run in. All right. So lots of stuff there. I am going to take this as an opportunity to have us break for the audio version of the podcast. And I'd like to continue this on the other side. Uh, You had mentioned that you would be able to stay for a post show. Is that still the case? Yes, sir. All right. So for those of you watching right now, we will continue this. Uh, For those of you that are listening by audio, we are going to end off the show. Yes, this will be one of the few times where we did not do a news segment or a Florida man segment. Um, Although we should probably do a random question. Do it. Come on, man. Let's play Stump the Chump. What do you got? (laughs) So since you weren't going to do a Florida man 
Well, but I already told you why. I, I, I understand. I know, but the listeners don't know. Kinds of shenanigans around here. It's like just pick something. I know, but the listeners don't know that. that. They don't. We don't. You know. <laughs> so here's your random question generator. This. <laughs> Marvin, are you going to have me? Are you going to beep me out? You're laughing too hard. I feel like I'm about to get beeped. <laughs> Toilet paper over or under? Over. Okay. Over. See, it wasn't so bad. No, that wasn't bad at all. I was like, the way you started laughing, I was like, oh, here it comes. Because sometimes I'm thinking these are, I mean, it's truly random. And uh, so there's two places, folks, if you want to know where I get these from. There is randomquestiongenerator.com, and this one came from Conversation Starter World. Um, And that literally was the question that came up. So you got off pretty easy there, Mike. You know, the next time I'm at some speaking engagement, I'm just going to put it out there. It's like, oh, so I got asked this question, toilet paper over or under? Well, that's better than the question of, do you golf? Say that one again. My cell phone started ringing and interrupted me. (laughs) Okay. How convenient. Um, (laughs) Do you golf? Um, Not well. Um, (laughs) I love top golf. And if you've ever seen my my staff and I go to Top Golf, we do something called Speed Golf. It's really not golfing, but man, is it fun! <laughs> so if you stay with us on the post show, you'll understand why I asked that question. But folks, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, as always, head over to PodNutsPro.com and listen to some of the other shows we've got there. You've also got a place where you can send me. Comments, questions, suggestions for the show. Uh, Let's see. All sorts of good things there. Support our sponsors, uh, NetAlly, Computers Done Right. You can also shop on Amazon. Uh, If you click on the link there, and I would suggest that you save it as a favorite and do all of your Amazon shopping by clicking that link first. Still takes you to the homepage of Amazon. You still pay the prices as you normally would on Amazon. But as an affiliate, Amazon will give us a little 1%, 2%, whatever, and that helps me pay for the expenses to keep this show going. Uh, you can also support by doing a donation on PayPal, becoming a patron. I would appreciate it very much. And on behalf of Michael Crean and Solutions Granite, I thank you once again for listening to the show. We will be back next week with another live show. I hope to see you then. But until then, holla.